podcast. And goodbye, bye week. Man. So tired of that week. Watching other teams, not our own. Thinking about what I'm going to make for myself this Sunday. Get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Got some fun lined up. Let's get it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to episode 10, week six for the Green Bay Packers coming up. We're coming off a big bye week. How's everybody doing off that? Huh? It's a grueling weekend to watch other teams play. There was some good news and some bad news that came out of the NFL. But we got a guest this week, and we are joined by none other than the other half of the Acme Army podcast, Eric Hagee, how you doing up there in the Northwoods? Well, it's pouring rain, but it's nice to be home. Uh, like you said, very painful to watch other teams play. It sucks waiting for Sunday night or Monday night. It's way worse when you got to wait a whole week. Um, we got a little bit of help. Uh, didn't get quite, the, uh, quite enough. Uh, thank you, Minnesota. Chug, choke, chug. <laughs> yeah, that was good to see. And joining the podcast for the first time, we mentioned him last week, but uh, this man is one of the best friends of the podcast, number one. He is one of the best friends I've had for quite a long time. He is a fantastic chef, and he is one of the greatest Packer fans you're going to meet. Ben Olcott, welcome, Benny. Hello, glad to be here. Very, very happy to be able to join you guys. Hey, he yeah, was Big great. Ben before that punk Roethlisberger ever even thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Benny's joining us uh, from Green Bay area, and uh, we're not going to disclose his exact location because there are stalkers on the Internet, Ben, and I don't want that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm always looking out. But, uh, yeah, guys, it's been a long bye week. We've had all kinds of injury discussions. We've had all kinds of offensive discussions, defensive discussions. But there's no other discussion I think we should be starting the show off with outside of the news that happened in Dallas yesterday with Dak Prescott breaking his ankle, dislocating his ankle, having a compound fracture on his lower leg. Makes us just uh, feel grateful that we have somebody who is mobile and protected and not running the ball the way that uh, Dak is schemed to run the ball. True that. Yeah, that was that was gruesome to watch. I I missed the play, uh, went back, uh, and they had already pixelated it, so you couldn't see. But you, I, I saw enough to where my stomach turned. Feel terrible for the kid. Um, uh, what a, what a what a sad way to end a season. Uh, hope he's doing well and and comes back. Uh, beating the Cowboys isn't uh, the same without him there, you know. So yeah, yeah, back. agree. I mean, never a huge. Cowboy fan, obviously, but uh, you don't wish that on anybody. No, well, and a lot of people bagging on Mike McCarthy saying that uh, <clears throat> he's an awful coach and he's showing it again down in Dallas. I think he's had a pretty great run for the first few games in Dallas, to be honest with you, the way they've come back. I mean, they got problems on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, his control on the offense is not the problem in Dallas, but this is going to definitely be a hit for him. And I uh, hope he gets better. But moving on to the Packers right now, something that we have uh, a great thing that, you know, not all teams have is our offensive line. 
Uh, number one in the NFL. Um, hard to believe. Uh, had to pick, uh, um, pick and choose the first few weeks. Sliding players all over the place. Uh, Lafleur is is uh, different than McCarthy in a lot of different ways, and one of them is he's going to put his best five out there. And if that means moving three guys to get where he wants to, he'll do it. We didn't uh, we didn't see that in the past. We uh, we uh, tended to fill one spot, even though there might have been a combination. I don't have a clue whether that's the right way to go or not. Um, but so far, I don't have anything to argue with Matt Lafleur. Uh, Matt LaFleur's decisions about at all. Um, I think again, um, he's incredibly bright. Um, uh, let him roll. Well, I just think with Luth- Lucas Patrick taking over for Taylor, it's been pretty seamless. But the interesting thing is our backup guard for both positions is the rookie, John Runyon. Tell us a lot about you know, who we have in that young man in the future and how we feel settled at that position. Because right now, Lucas Patrick, I love the way he runs run blocks. Absolutely. An animal. Saw him, uh, saw a bit uh, tape this week, watched Jenkins downfield as well. Uh, not only blowing up, a, you know, blowing a seal up and then getting downfield and taking out a linebacker and a safety in one play. Um, nope. <laughs> We got we got some really really good young guys. A um, lot of off season podcasts to talk about them. John Runyon certainly seems uh, he held his own when he's played. Not much, thank goodness. Uh, losing Lane Taylor was a big blow, and it yeah. seems to uh, seems to have been fixed seamlessly. Um, I was not a I was not a big fan of uh, Mr. Patrick um, coming into this. I have certainly uh, been educated. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, between him and Alex Light, it was always the competition, and, you know, glad that he took it out. I want to look up his number to see how long he's on there because I'd love to see Runyon sit for, you know, a couple of years and be a great backup and then turn into the starting role as long as we got Patrick at an affordable uh, price. But uh, before we get to that, Benny, you're in Green Bay. Well, just outside of Green Bay. Our team is 4-0. and our offense is rolling. What's the pulse of your area up there? What are you feeling from the fans and everybody else in in the greater Green Bay area? Well, I think it didn't take much to get everybody on board. I'm not sure. The attitude going in, I don't think, was where it should have been. Uh, for some reason, um, we seem to always be a little more skeptical than we should be, in my opinion. And, you know, it's like the um, – Oh, I'm losing my train of thought here. Uh, no, I mean, you get people that are fired up about it. You get people that are diehard Packer fans that can never go wrong. But then you get the fans that are believing the draft Knicks and saying, what the hell, well, you draft the receiver. Your, your season's over. We're kind of spoiled in the fact that we've had good teams for so long here now. You know, 8-8 eight and eight is not even close to acceptable anymore when there was decades where that was a great – year for us you know yeah but you know i have i know people who are 26 years old and have only seen two quarterbacks in green bay you know (sighs) oh lucky (laughs) i mean seriously it's it's crazy when you think about it that way yeah well that's my argument when we talk about jordan love and everybody talk you know the, the the battle i got on in twitter this last week about patrick queen 
Jordan loves the investment for the future. If they believe, I, here's what I know. I don't know shit about evaluating quarterbacks, and, and I know that our front office has done a pretty damn good job of evaluating all kinds of positions. They know more than we know. But if Jordan Love is what they think he is, man, why not? what a great insurance policy. We thought the receivers were going to be who they were. We, we signed Christian Kirksey in March because we needed that inside linebacker help. I, you know. Well, and it's not like it hasn't worked for us in the past with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, you know. He mm-hmm. sat for how many years? You know, you remember the first few years when he was in Green Bay? How he would manage to get – Aaron Rodgers would manage to yeah. get himself injured in preseason. And we always thought going in that he's already injured and it's a good thing he's our backup, you know what I mean? Yeah. We yeah. kept him on, you know, and it's an that work out for it's an embarrassment of riches is what that is exactly. going, going from a first ballot hall of famer to a first ballot hall of famer. Um, very few organizations in history have done that. You know, you think of Montana to young yeah, uh, and, and that's the only other one that jumps, jumps really, to my mind. Really? Exactly. Yeah. Unless they were able to do something like that in like new England, you know, or the only maybe possibly one other coming close is uh, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck for that little bit in Indy. Don't forget Josh Rosen to Fitzpatrick. I, there's <laughs> connections everywhere, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. We're lucky. We're very fortunate. But here's what separates us from everybody else right now: is the NFC's a mess. Yep. You, you know the, the NFC East. Wow. I mean, you got teams with one victory leading the division. But yeah, it's it's actually uh, Dallas. Is, uh, Dallas leading that division at two and three. A two and three, yeah. Two and three, yeah. and they yeah, just they passed up game. Philadelphia, that was leading the division going into that game at one three and one. Yeah, one, yeah, one two and one. <laughs> That's yeah. ridiculous. Well, but now, but but the but our biggest challenge really is lied out in the NFC West and that whole division shaken up by the San Francisco injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back yesterday and looked dog awful. They pulled him at halftime. They're not the they're not the two they're not the one seed. They're not the two seed out there. You know, I mean, they're battling with the Cardinals for the three seed because clearly Seattle's number one in the Rams. Nobody's going to doubt Sean McVay at this point. Didn't the Rams beat Seattle twice last year? Uh, that's uh, I think that Seattle may have still gotten the division, but that's that that's nothing but a benefit to us. There, there's going to be a lot of games. Uh, you know, you you got six games in your own division with talented teams. Uh, I really was kind of uh, I hate to admit this, um, and thank God this isn't going to be on the internet or anything. Um, but um, wound up. Rooting for Minnesota yesterday. I'm um, thinking, uh, thinking that. <laughs> Traitor! <laughs> well, I I'm just call you Chris McEachern. I am just thinking with. Did you pull out your purple four jersey too? No. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> no, and here's why. Here's why. This year with the new playoff format, there's the number one seed is the only team that gets a week off, and Seattle is, is shaping up to be our biggest con- competition. It looks like for that, and we don't have them on our schedule. If we had them on our schedule, I probably would feel different. Um, Minnesota is, what, five games behind us and we've only played four, <laughs> you know, or four and a half games behind us? So you're giving them a sympathy vote all of a sudden? I remember when I lived in cool. Minneapolis, all you did is ride me about, eh, these people in Minneapolis. You hated the Vikings and you're voting for them. Right I, I do. I do. I don't think that far down the road. I think about our 
conference first, and there's nothing like the nose of the Vikings getting rubbed. Inside. Well, it, trust me, you know? I wasn't hurt by their loss, especially yeah. in choking typical Minnesota fashion. Well, however, I mean, what? However, I want I want that I want that week off. We've got a really early bye, the earliest you can have this year. Having that week off at the end of the season uh, can be critical, and then everything's through Lambeau. Uh, so. Eh. I know there's yeah. no fans, and maybe maybe home field doesn't mean what it is, but players not having to travel is huge. Be with yeah. your families. Eh, I, I get it. Uh, and uh, like I said, thank God this isn't on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seattle had a harder time than I thought they were going to stop in Minnesota because I mean, Minnesota's run game we always knew was there. But their passing game is really coming along. Kirk Cousin looking every bit of that $33 million he's getting paid this year. <laughs> yeah, I, it showed to me, I think, that, uh, that, the greatest that Seattle has, you know, they're, they're, they're not invincible by any means. Like, they're no more of a threat than, than Minnesota, really, you know. No, and it comes down to turnovers with them. I mean, if we can eventually get our defense – you know, getting some picks and getting some fumble recoveries, it would, it, you know, it would really benefit us because in games like that, if they're running and gunning and they're throwing all the time, you know, they're, they're very beatable. Well, so. a little thing I heard over the weekend listening to uh, Locked on Packers with, uh, with Peter Bukowski was a potential trade issue that he raised that I wanted to throw in here that I just think is uh, – uh, it, very, very difficult. Um, a restructured contract might make it possible, but after the blow up, blow up in Houston, um, he is—he's uh, pitching the idea of a draft pick or two trade for JJ Watt, and the JJ Watt would love nothing better than to come back and play for his home state Packers. Can you see a front three with Kiki, Kenny Clark, and JJ Watt? <laughs> Okay, I didn't know we were in Dreamland. Peter Bukowski said this. Peter Bukowski, it was, wow. this is this was from him, and there's there's salary issues this year and next year, but if you extended him out a few years, you know, give give him a Watt a three year deal, um, it's doable, without being a big cost, this year. So, I, I don't know. Hey, he's mm. a smarter guy than me. I just hey. thought, you know, naturally, you think about adding JJ Watt to your defense, and boy, that changes things around. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, let's bring him back then, baby. Let's bring him back. Yeah, right. I'll tell you, it's, uh, that's the kind of dreaming I hate to get involved with in the middle of the season. Well, if it didn't you know, come from That you, was worse than the, the, the Odell Beckham back, you know, when I thought maybe he could back in the offseason. Like, gosh, the Browns are a shitstorm. We got to get, you know, he's potential. But Well, here's the difference. The difference is that you got a Wisconsin connection big time. Yeah. And you've yeah. got a character difference between J.J. Watt and Odell Beckham. Yeah. You know, outside of Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Uh, Watt would come in as maybe the state's favorite Packer. Uh, bringing him home uh, with what he could bring to our defense would be phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, goodness gracious. It's money. Obviously money. He's got, uh, he's got the ch balance of a big contract this year, and he's got next year's contract. If you could rework that and push it out um, – Push it out two or three years. You could make something that's possible. I agree. It's fantasy. I, I mean, it's fan. I don't know how it's to get week. that with it's the, the camp. Yeah, it's. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. 
the only thing I think about is Bakhtiari. You know, how do you re-sign the number one left tackle in the league for the next four years so that while Aaron Rodgers is here in his prime, that he has that protection with Jenkins? I mean, we got the cornerstones right now. How do you fit in him and Lindsley? Jair's coming up. What are you going to do with Kevin King? There's a lot of... Well, I think you're, you're saying goodbye to Kevin King. You're saying goodbye to Lindsley. Uh, maybe we got the young guns on that offensive line to replace Lindsey. You can't replace Bakhtiari. You can't replace Bakhtiari. And I don't think you can replace Aaron Jones. So those are the two big names for me this year. I think you can lose Lindsey, and I think you can lose King. Would like to like them both. But, boy, if, yeah. if by doing it you could add J.J. Watt, hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my immediate thought was there goes Aaron Jones as well. Well. His potential would be off, but listen. If we're in bye week and we're talking dreamland, I'd rather have the next eight years with J.J. Watt than the next four years with Aaron Jones and what we got, who we got in the background. Uh, that's just yeah. blasphemous. Off, off the- I, lo- I love it. I love Aaron Jones. Hey, Benny, yeah. question for you. Who's been your surprise player for the Green Bay Packers so far in the first four games? Hmm. Don't think too hard. Doesn't have to be crazy. You know, truthfully, and this is going to sound stupid, Aaron Rodgers. You know, That's just the way he's – just, I mean, knowing what he did in the offseason to, like, make his game better and just see, you know, knowing that he's a perfectionist. And he was off last year. Everybody knew it. Everybody could see it. Danica. You know, and that, you know, I was going to bring that up too, but I wasn't sure if you want, you know. <laughs> that can't hurt the situation. And I hate to say that. But it's true. There is Man, certain, she had him eating vegan food. And there's a certain part yeah. of his brain that would always yeah. be there. And, uh, you know, yeah. I think that that doesn't hurt the situation. I think he's a little bit more focused. Yeah. You know, if, if I could run with, 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 with what Benny's saying, you know, um, last year he's absolutely correct in, in how he's looking at it. I think part of last year is the very first year – in a very brand new offense for him. Uh, LaFleur brings this, uh, the, the, the quote that, that you're, I'm reading all the time is illusion of complexity, where pretty much from any formation, including all the bunches, uh, it's a run play or it's a pass play. And now you incorporate motion into that, which we're doing 20 to 30% more. Motion was never part of Mark, Mike McCarthy's offense. Mm-hmm. So Rogers never had to read how defenses were reacting to motion. He's picked it up. It takes, it takes a while to get a new system, and it just brings so much more uh, from, from the offensive perspective. When the defense doesn't know whether you're running or whether you're passing, and now you add motion, and now Rodgers sees, okay, linebacker's moving, hole there, Tanyan's going to be wide open. You know, there's just so many different things. Then it takes time and reps and I'm, I'm amazed, actually, that he was able, you know, if he wasn't Aaron Rodgers, I don't think this happens. But how quickly, given the limited offseason that he's in, and he's throwing to wide open guys. We are scheming, scheming to beat man coverage. A lot of teams are trying man coverage with us. And instead of, in the past, always relying on receivers to beat their man, we're using the scheme to beat their man. Exactly. And I, I don't know, I'm just – I'm. So pumped up about uh, seeing guys running right open. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I was I was saying to Eric that like it's it's 
you see glimpses of like I don't want to say perfection, but just such a machine that seems, you know, it's already seems that there's points where it's it's a perfect. I don't want to say well, you know. Look at the Malik Taylor play. That was a perfect play. Yep. Perfect play. Yep. Everybody did everything perfect in that play. He was so wide open for 20 yards. It was. That's what I thought watching the film. I saw. Wow. And one of the most frustrating things for me with the last few years of McCarthy was we had a, a couple of different running backs that we had, and like like Lacey, we could have used him so much better than we did. And it seemed to me that we would start with the run and go away from it so quickly when it seemed to even – even when it was working, it seemed we went away from it way too quickly. And when all you have to do as a defense – it's not even give the run a second thought and just key on Rodgers all the time. You're yeah. only doing the whole team a disservice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, and I, I thought if I'm, if I can see it this obviously, how come every, you know, the coach. You, you, you see that right now down in Dallas too. I exactly. mean, they, they have one, one guy in motion and you know, Zeke is getting the ball. It's a, you know, I hate to wish ill on, on McCarthy in Dallas, but I was, almost, don't be that guy. Not in my I was pocket. Don't be that guy. To see that he really, you know, he didn't. Uh, if he would have started listen, it out eight and zero with Dallas, you know, as the head yeah. coach, he's got family, man. And uh, I tell you what, he deserves all our respect because he <laughs> did a hell of a job. For oh, him. he certainly did. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I'll tell you, what we have right now is a different ball. It's a different NFL. Exactly. The NFL changed when Lafleur got hired, or I mean, when Kyle Shanahan got hired as a head coach, oh. because. What he did in Cleveland as an offensive coordinator, I, I was living in Columbus at the time. People, I mean, my, my family weren't pulling for him to be, you know, Shanahan to be the head coach. They let him go. He goes to Atlanta and just slays it down there. By the time San Francisco, uh, you know, had that opportunity came, that whole tree had just blossomed, and it was a new NFL, new offensive time. And, and you either got on or you got off, and, man, we are driving the train right well, now. Well, and it kind of it kind of seems like that back when we got Holmgren. You know, when Holmgren was the baby of of the San Francisco offense and winning. You know, daddy screen, daddy screen play. You know, I I would I would be blown away if we were in for another seven eight years of just kick ass Packer teams. You know, consistent yeah. well, playoffs, all that. Offense is cyclical. Um, McCarthy's the, the, uh, the, you know, the, you can only evolve an offense so far. And I think his was the end of where the West coast offense goes. And then, then somebody comes up with something new and that's, what's going to be the rage in football. When you look at what's happened with, with San Francisco and now green Bay in this offense, we're going to see a lot more of it. The, the beauty of this is, you know, <laughs> you're down your top two wide receivers. Well, you can play three halfbacks, none of them in the backfield. I mean, you could just do so many different things that a, that a defense cannot predict what's going to happen. And you've got tight ends. We've got tight ends now that are really functional in terms of either blocking. Tanyan's blocking has improved considerably. Sternberger is a decent blocker. Um, obviously, Mercedes Lewis is the best blocking tight end probably in league history. We've got all these different components that we can plug in and cover. And, and you know, taking Devontae Adams and Al Lazard off your offense, 
and still look like <laughs> come that. in and, and do a performance like that. That's Rogers buying into Lafleur's system. I think, yeah. I think without any without any real knowledge, that Rogers being he had so much success in the system that he was in, that he he struggled to accept the little pardon the expression, but gimmicky things that we do. But I think he sees now the benefit to what what happens on the defensive side of the ball when you do these things. And he's bought in. And he's the master. Yeah. He's I think it's only going to revive his career, you know? Yep. And it even makes me more excited that we do actually have Jordan Love to be that guy who sits there for the next three years and watches Aaron Rodgers run the offense the way it's supposed to be run and learn so then he can step into it. Absolutely. Well, here, here's the good thing about our offense, though. We have right now the greatest quarterback of all time, leading the best offense we've had in a decade. If what happened to Dak Prescott happens to Aaron Rodgers, we don't have Jordan Love to lean back on. We got Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle's the man. My level of confidence with Tim Boyle is very high. And I told you two years ago when, when I took my son for his birthday to the 49er Monday night game, and we're a fifth row in the end zone. And Tim Boyle in warm-ups was lasering 40-yard shots and Deshaun Kaiser skipping them. And it was just, I, I, was, I was telling my son, look at this guy's arm. Well, he's had the same amount of time. And he's smart and competitive, and he's Aaron's buddy right now. I feel pretty comfortable in that situation because of the offense, because we're not predicated on what you said before, Ben, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to throw, you know, we're going to do a two-run, and then we're going to get behind, and now it's just going to be all pass, defense, pin your ears back, beat our asses up right now. We're going to try and outscore you with the greatest arm. Well, we don't have that right now. We don't, I, I don't feel like we're dire straits at this point. If Tim Boyle has to come in for a couple of games, I hope, knock on wood, that never happens. But uh, Eric, I remember the phone call I took from you from <clears throat> inside Lambeau. Uh, just after warm-ups, I remember this very well. You could not believe the throws this kid was making. And the thing that's really nice about him in this system, Rodgers is getting the ball out so much quicker than he ever has in his career. And that is, that, that's a, a result of the system. And that same thing applies to Boyle if he has to come in. Boyle doesn't have the wheels that, that Rodgers does. But Rodgers has only had to scramble like four times this year. Uh, yeah. Tim Tim Boyle can come in and function in this offense. He's got a gun, uh, and yeah. and being able to hand off and have a gun is maybe all you need in this offense when you've got everything else working in unison. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep, I agree. Too. Well, guys, we have uh, we got Tampa Bay coming up next week or this Sunday. I'm sorry, I'm still in bye week mode. First gut reaction on seeing them in the Chicago Bears. What do you think, Benny? Um, you know, I think anytime you go up against Tom Brady, you, you know, you're in for a fight. Um, I'm not – I think their defense is a little bit better than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. But I think – I don't think that we're going to lose to them. I mean, I, I think that we can hang with Brady offensively and, you know – they don't have really don't have a, a runner that scares me. Ronald Jones the third. He so when I was watching all the tape on Tampa Bay this year, 
Brady's really become a comfortable dumping the ball off to him. He's been their outlet, so we got a key on him for sure every time he's in there. Because <clears throat> I don't think Fournette's coming back. Mm-mm. I don't think he's going to be ready after bye week. No. It's, that, that's what I heard. Maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah, well, Evans uh, Evans is always a threat. And who's is it? Scotty Miller is that the name of that? Yeah, the, the yeah. new Justin Edelman. Oh, yeah, hundred and seventy five pound kid in the NFL. Boomer. Fastest lightning. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not scared of Tampa Bay at all. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady in four games this year has thrown as many pick sixes as Aaron Rodgers has in his career. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have the arm that he used to. Now he did, he did yesterday throw the ball down the field with, with accuracy and with timing. Yeah. And he looked good on, he looked good on those. I like our chances against that type of team. No problem. I do. Uh, I think too, that, uh, you know, Brady is Brady, but, uh, having the team around him who was coached by Belichick was a big factor in Brady's success because there's a certain pride factor with the Patriots and a certain work ethic that might not be the same as it is in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think, uh, I think anytime that we're going against Tom Brady, yeah, it's going to be a fight (laughs) now to have them come out on the line as two point favorites. Seemed like a ridiculous fight for me. I, I wish I had a couple thousand bucks to throw on that line. Well, right anybody there. that's, you know, favoring us or favoring them over us right now, I think is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I think uh, when I look at their defense with Vita, uh, Vita Vea out, it's going to help us. But I, one of the best linebackers in the NFL, period, is Levante David, the guy from Nebraska. He, he's lightning out there. He is the kind of guy that can, you know, do what Kendricks has done to us in the past, you know, from Minnesota. He's that kind of fast linebacker, can shoot through the line, and, and, and he worries me a little bit. But with that being said, we'll get into the uh, preview next episode. But, Benny, I would be remiss to not ask you what you're cooking for your special tailgate and for this game off bye week. Bring it to me, man. I need something to shake up what I've been doing because I was just throwing chili and shit. I threw corn in my chili just to shake it up a little bit. What are you doing? Well, I haven't really thought about it because uh, – I think. Um, well, I did jambalaya for the New Orleans game. Oh. Um, now, is that little shrimp you got? Shrimp, mm. smoked chicken, andouille sausage – Crawfish, it was all in there. It was good. Uh, you drop some hot sauce in there? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spice it in the pot, but then you always have to have a little for the top. Did well. you go Cajun or Creole? Well, you know, kind of a combination of both, really. <laughs> oh, Daddy, missed that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know the difference, but you got, do you have to put rice in that? Is that what that is? No, see, and actually, I don't even like rice. I'm not a big rice fan, so I just eat it kind of like a yeah. Cajun chili almost, you know? Oh, because mine's thick with it's it's a stew it's you know red yeah. beans it's it's more meat than sauce that's put it yeah. that way we have to have some sort of a summer meeting next year to to, to provide information for next year's podcasts and uh, and try a little bit of that it sounds fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah for, for sure well, i've just seen uh, a lot of people on packers twitter who are asking for how do you cook a brat Really? Guys, people from Wisconsin know how to cook a brat. I, I, do I need to explain it to, to you two? Why don't you explain it, Eric, to uh, everybody out there? How do you really cook a tailgate and brat? Well, my personal preference, and, and there are there are a lot of a lot of people that have their own thing. Uh, of course, you have to do a little bath with some beer and onion. 
A lot of people Amen. like to boil them. I don't like Come to boil on, them. I like, Why not now? I like to get them hot, but not boil them and shrink them. And then to the grill for finishing. Uh, yeah. That's, that's my preference. Yeah. Um, uh, but I would always defer to our friend Ben in cooking anything. <laughs> uh, my, my way would go, to go about it would be always the grill first from a raw state. And then when it gets to the point where it's starting to split so much and spray juice that you're dealing with more fire than you are trying to cook the brat, that's when you uh -huh. take them off, throw them in the beer and onions. In the bath. And you got the onions cooking. There it's, might be, it's warm. Yeah, that, that's already been boiling. Onion, onions are soft. So then even if the middle of that brat is still a little bit pink, that beer finishes it off. But you got that char on it. You got all that going for you. Uh, Acme Army, you heard it. From a professional. I'm a goddamn professional, man. Trust me. So you grill first. See, I, so I've done exactly what Eric doesn't do, which is do the bath, boil them, shrink up, and it's they taste like rubber off the grill by the time you're done cooking them. It's just not, there's nothing great about them. But, Benny, what kind of beer are we bathing them in? Well, you know. It used to be the cheap it's, beer. It's America now. It's America now. It used to be the cheap beer, but now there's such good beer out there. You know, take one of those out of your six pack of microbrews and throw that in there. Even if you have to tie a little color. I was going to say. I love it. Hey, that's great. You guys heard it. Do it that way. <laughs> You don't have to ask all those knuckleheads on Twitter how they cook brats, and they're from California, and all they've done is gone to In-N-Out. I don't know. Yeah, because nobody has a microwave at the at Lambeau Fields, you know? <laughs> and always charcoal, never gas. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, guys. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on, Benny. It's good to see your face again. Uh, we have an ex exciting week of football ahead of us. Um, Eric, I know that you've been gone, and we're back on schedule now. We're going to be hitting them up Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, ahead of the game. So excited for us to be back on schedule. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Everybody, have a great week. Benny, thanks for coming. We'll have thanks to do this again. You. Great to see your face, brother. Um, yeah. All the rest of you folks out there, both of you, thanks for listening. Uh, have a great week, and go Pack Go. That's it. Yeah. We've done our duties, job is done, put on our chaplain, shoo, blue note jazz, shoo-wee-dwee.